Hi, this is Mark Wade, writer of Daredevil, and you're listening to Longbox Heroes. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Longbox Heroes, episode 479, the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts. Joe and Todd joining you here. Todd, how are we doing today? Stunned that you remember to uh, mention that it's the Lamborghini of comic book podcasts, but otherwise great. So on my little notepad document, right? Mm-hmm. I had been putting other stuff f- stuff above the show notes, mm-hmm. like all the Patreon stuff that we've discussed in secret. Right. So I have been sc- to scroll down, and then what happens is... As I do my going back and forth between two screens, doing my alt tab, the Word document refreshes and it won't go back to where I had left the cursor. It goes back to the top of the document sometimes. So it's not visibly right in front of me. And as I've told you before, I can't leave notes around the uh, the, the computer here, the PC. As an old man, I do this off an actual computer tower. Do they still make computer towers? Like if this died tomorrow... Can I get a replacement tower? I don't know. You'd have to ask somebody who works in one of those box stores. And I also like how I uh, protect kayfabe of certain other co-hosts of my show, of their jobs. But other podcasts just freely admit where he uh, where he works with oh, impunity. Okay. All right. Was this was it me? No, it was not you. It was other okay. shows. Okay, just making sure. Yeah. I don't have any other podcasts that I know of. That you know of. Mm-hmm. I might do one in my sleep, for all I know. <laughs> the apnea cast. <laughs> oh, my God. Yep. Rem talk with Todd Roker. Is Michael Stipe and other people in REM that I don't remember the names of going to be on the show as well? Uh, yes, they're all going to be on. Okay. So I'll just say this and we'll get into the show. Um, you know how sometimes you'll have a lucid dream that you think is real and then you wake up and you realize maybe something that happened to the dream and you go and check. Right. So last, I have a, uh, I have a, as my wife calls them, she's in the profession. I have a deep gum pocket in between <laughs> two of my teeth. <laughs> Let's make sure you say that right, but go ahead. Right, right. Uh, it's not, this is, listen, this is the family friendly show. How dare you? Well, no, that, I just make Making sure you enunciate, that's all. Uh-huh. That tons of food gets caught in, right? And I really got to floss it. I think we talked about this on After Dark many, many moons ago. Um, but I had a dream last week that I was so annoyed with food getting caught in that deep gum pocket. <laughs> right. I ripped my tooth out with my bare hands. Oh, that sounds like real, not a dream. Okay, so that happened in my dream. And I woke up and I thought I really did rip my own tooth out. And I ran to the bathroom to check to make sure that I really didn't. I love to think of you lumbering half awake, (laughs) bouncing off the walls, looking to see if you had torn a tooth from your head with your bare hands. (laughs) Yes, yes. So uh, not so much news this week, uh, but we got a couple follow ups from last week. Mm hmm. Um, comic book conventions uh, that are going on all around the world this weekend. Uh, digital books, uh, digital book sales, no freebies, 
I think we could officially put the moratorium uh, on free digital comic books being given out. The, you oh. know, if they could squeeze a nickel from you, they're going to squeeze that nickel. You know what I mean? All right, I'll put a note on my computer that no kid will move. Uh-huh. Oh, my. <laughs> um, what we read this past week, uh, which includes uh, John Constantine Hellblazer, number one. Criminal number 10 and Venom number 20, which was odd that uh, that came up on the request. But I actually have a fun story about that. Oh, good. Related and unrelated to the book. All right. Uh, we also have the return of the mailbag. Uh, we also have Todd's art attack and discussion of the most recent episodes of The Man DeLorean, as well as last week's episode of The Flash. Mm-hmm. So, like I said, not a lot of news. It's no. been quiet. Everyone's behaving over the Thanksgiving, uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday, Small Business Saturday weekend. I think all the editors and creators are in a trip to fan coma. <laughs> yes. So, uh, just the follow-ups, of course. Uh, there was a topic of conversation on last week's show uh, inspired by some of the stuff that Donnie Cates had said on social media in regards to piracy and comic book piracy specifically. And we kind of talked about our takes on that and, you know, where we stand on that sort of thing. Essentially, if um, getting books to pay for them uh, was easy as getting them for free, more people might do them. But the, mm -hmm. facts, the, the fact remains that people that are stealing your books weren't buying your books in the first place, so you never really had their money. Mm-hmm. Well, wouldn't you know who won the pony? It came out uh, in between recording last week and this week that Donnie Cates uh, came out and more or less said uh, that this was kind of inspired by uh, Marvel apparently sends out copies of books as PDFs to retailers ahead of time. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like, hey, we really want you to check this book out. So we're going to send you the full book. We want you to read it like two months in advance. And uh, let us know what you think. And listen, other publishers do it too, but very rarely do you hear Marvel and DC doing this. Well, apparently some retailer, un unknown retailer, they were not shamed or named in this, they went and they got their copy of the upcoming Donny Cates Thor number one, went ahead and shared it on social media, Facebook, whatever it was. And then from there, it just begat, begat, begat into other people's hands. The problem is... Each of those that get sent to a retailer are watermarked with a serial number that goes directly to that retailer. Right. So once this got leaked online, it wasn't like, oh, it was 16 different retailers because we could piece it all together. No, it was one. Right. Um, and that's smart to do. And I'll guarantee you that their uh, preview uh, privileges have been revoked, Joe. That's a good way to do it. Mm -hmm. That's a good way to run afoul of the mouse yes. and all of his little subsidiaries. Yep. And it kind of reminds me too of, do you know, like, you know how like the shops now they have the, some of them have the privilege of getting their books on Tuesday, then they can't sell them, but so they can pull, pull them for their customers and sell them on Wednesday. Right. So when they open Wednesday morning at 10 and the person's there at 10 one, their pull list is already ready to go. Right. Well, we know for a fact 
that Diamond sends out, that's Diamond Comics, uh, the, the distributor, that they send out secret shoppers on Tuesdays to see if they're selling the books. And if you get caught, they'll revoke that the privilege again for that. And I love seeing, because like I'll be on in the shop on Tuesday, pulling my books, which is legal, and going like, well, would you put these away for, instead of you pulling them, I pull them, here you go. I love watching the nonchalant, totally, you know, subtle secret shoppers come in and ask for, um, excuse me, do you have, and like open up a piece of paper. And it's always like a lady who's like in her 50s. <laughs> and it's like, my nephew wants, do you have Secret Wars 2, number 7? Do you have, and it'll be like two big books and like a nonchalant, like in like a smaller title book. And they'll be like, and they'll be like, oh no, but we can, we, we, we have them, but we can't sell them until tomorrow. Um, and if you want, we can pull them off on the side and you can go back tomorrow because, you know, and they'll, and our retailer will literally, or a worker will explain the whole, um, the whole privilege of getting your books on Tuesdays and we don't want to lose it, blah, blah, blah. And they'll go, oh, yes, well, put those on the side for me and I will definitely – they never, ever come back. It's like a narc in high school. You could just pick out every secret shopper. And they come around quite a bit. They come around like every month and a half. Or really? Yes, like a lot. And the retailer will get a survey and what those secret shoppers – that's not only are they for there for the secret shopping, they're there to see if the place is clean. Um, if like if the retailers or workers are mean, like they'll give a report to Diamond on how they're doing. And like, I mean, our retailer like always gets you know flying colors because you know how they all are when somebody comes in, they ask sure. you need help with anything, blah, blah, blah. But I find that completely fascinating that all that stuff goes on. The employees only say under their breath for me and you to shut up? Yes, yes. The, I definitely. Or they, they ask me how you'll take it if they tell you to shut up. <laughs> but I, it's been a while since you've brought up that there's been a secret shopper in there. And it's it reminds me of the meme that's from 30 Rock of Steve Buscemi. Oh, going back rock. to high school wearing the shirt that says Rock Band with a skateboard over his... Uh, thing and in the episode it's it's one thing to see the meme but it's another thing to actually like see it in motion and hear steve buscemi come up to the group and say hello fellow children <laughs> right yeah my i don't watch i didn't really ever watch 30 rock but i crack up with that because if you go back he's carrying two skateboards <laughs> he has one over his shoulder and he has one in the other hand has the rock band in the acdc font on his shirt yep. and he's like hello fellow children I'm like I'm not a I'm not a big thirty, but that cracked me up. So yes, that's what I always think when they come in. Thirty Rock's one of my favorite shows of all time. I know it is. I really need to revisit it one day, but I have so much to do. Oh, and just uh, really quick, I just remembered Doctor Who is definitely coming back New Year's Day for the new season. Well, now I'm down again. Uh, I gotta <laughs> kick you the legs out from one yeah. day. So, hey, just related but unrelated to that follow-up of the Donny Cates thing, uh, comic book creator Chris Sabella, who does a bunch of indie books, uh, short order cooks, crowded, stuff like that. He had done a couple things here and there for Marvel. Uh, I think he did, like, uh, remember the, 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 the Doctor Strange Ghost Rider damnation deal? Yeah. Uh, he did some of the art on that. Well, 
he had taken to social media in lieu of all this piracy thing, uh, just kind of jokingly saying, hey, I'm still on Marvel's comp list. Mm -hmm. And I know this because I get FedEx notices of them repeatedly delivering my monthly box of books from them to my address from three years ago. Well, at least it's a place you did live. (laughs) Right. And again, he continues to joke. He goes, I still have access to their system. I go in there, repeatedly change my address, but they still send it to my old address. Uh, Much like their books and characters, their changes are never permanent and always revert back. Hmm. Good one. So again, that's a fun burn on Marvel. Uh, But yeah, hey, I'm glad to see, because didn't DC stop sending out the comp box to folks? Yep, yep, they did. They yeah. and I'll never forget because I knew someone who was getting them, and it was like, "All right, we're gonna we're gonna whittle out the expense, the truly expensive hardcovers." And then it was like, so you get just the comp, the issues, and the the hardcovers and softcovers. Then the hardcovers went, and then the softcovers went. Then it was just the issues. Now all creators get from DC is just copies of anything they've done or anything like a the floppies and then anything that's like a reprint they'll get like one or two copies that they have work in right yeah that that makes more sense that they should have been just sending what you've worked on right but what the do you know what the cops were for joe like a lot of people like yeah read them but the do you have any idea what why they would give creators comps no because if you needed to take over a book, whether to write it or draw it, you had reference of everything they did. So it was like, oh, I need to, like, I'm drawing the next couple issues of Superman. There's new characters. I know what Perry White looks like. All right, I know what Lois Lane looks like. But this new villain, we'll go back and look in your comps. Well, would, your, so wouldn't it make more sense right, to have, like, a digital database of all that information? That's why they don't do the comps anymore because they give them free access to their DC. Un- I don't know if it's un- unlimited, but they're they have a digital thing. Right, I'm they sure actually- they have like a backdoor site that everything's on. Right. Yes. So that's that's what it, that's what I was always told that it was for. I mean, because even be- if you are sending everything that comes out in the month, because as I understand it, at the time. What DC would do is whatever was in the diamond catalog from DC for that month, and if it shipped, looking at you, Doomsday Clock, or <laughs> didn't get canceled, looking at you, every collection and hardcover, mm-hmm. at the end of the month, you would get a box of everything that DC printed for that month. Right. And I get it for the single issues. I even get it for collections. But... There's no reason they need to send you, like, a copy of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing Omnibus, just in case you might be taking over Swamp Thing in six months, to be up to date on what's currently going on. Seems like wasteful spending to me. Right, and that was, that's why, I I mean, it wasn't all that, it was also a kind of a nice thank you, I guess, but... Um, I get you with that, but what if you have to do a new Swamp Thing episode issue and you have to draw a flashback to the anatomy lesson? There you go. You're good to go. If you're working in comics and you don't have immediate access to Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, then I don't know, maybe they could drum you out of the business or something. I would love to see you like artist or writer written on your, your, your uh, sleeve and they have to rip it off to the drums and stuff. They send one of the secret shoppers over to do it. That would be. F- I'm looking for an artist named. <laughs> they have the paper. They unfold it. Yeah. So that's really all we got in news this week. Now, light news week. We've yeah, got so- some light news. 
Oh, the Lord Stu Bennett, who you know better as uh, Bad News Barrett, is back. Oh, good. It, it, seems, it seems as though all it takes is one person to make many, many horrible, racist, sexist, and homophobic comments for this company to finally dust off the old Lord to bring him back to replace him. Uh, was all I care about did he did he uh was he introduced on a high podium because if not that's the only thing that'll get you over faster than a box I disagree about that oh well that'll be for the wrestling show and some off air <laughs> yeah. conversation but no he's debuting at their pay-per-view this weekend mm-hmm. yeah so uh conventions this weekend that you'll probably be attending instead of uh watching that wrestling pay-per-view that you have to like do through not like an award-winning network i wouldn't even know how you do that okay i wouldn't even know how you got a real pay-per-view in 2019 (laughs) do i have to call my cable provider is there still time i think there is so conventions this weekend all right let's go uh international first we have the singapore comic-con in marina bay sands somewhere in singapore Mm. Uh, a lot of comic book folks the aforementioned Donnie Cates is going to be there Greg Capullo is going to be there Andy Kubert is going to be there Jock is going to be there sadly not Jocko I double checked <laughs> and Jim Mafood, who's uh, one of those unique interesting artists Right, very stylized then we have the Wales Comic Con in Telford Wales uh, mm. Ron Mars is going to be there on the comic book side of things uh, Michael Rooker is going to be there. Corin Nemec is going to be there. I know who that is. Go ahead. Is that Parker Lewis can't lose? It is Parker Lewis can't lose. Even though they list his credentials as Stargate first, I don't feel that's a good way to advertise Mr. Nemec. Oh, that's who'd want to see that. I think, uh, I think that and the video for beer for what is it? Whiskey for my men and beer for my horses. That's the other thing. That he's known for. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. That's a real music video, just so you know. So, from the world of sports and entertainment, uh, Dustin Rhodes, a.k.a. Goldust, will be there. Ooh. As well as the road dog, Jesse James, and the bad you-know-what, Billy Gunn, will be there. Oh, look at that. They're not uh, invading anything right now? No, they're not, they're not invading <laughs> anything, sadly. <laughs> okay. Uh, but also, I need to save these names for last. Uh, Matt Smith is going to be there. Right. And David Tennant is going to be there. That's 10 and 11. Right. But more importantly than all of them, Ahmed Best is going to be there. Ahmed Best? Mm Mm-hmm. Who's that? You would know him better, Todd, as Jar Jar Binks. Oh, Misa Love Ahmed. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, also, uh, stateside in the Allentown area is the Lehigh Valley Comic Con. Uh, Mark Morales, Mark McKenna, Scott Hanna are going to be there, uh, as well as a variety of, uh, you know, small creators, cosplay type folks. And I'm just going to throw this aside here. Uh, longtime friend of the show, uh, Joey Shoots is starting something up, some sort of a side business, if you will. Under the uh, moniker online of Kayfabe Collectibles, he is going to be at the Village Square Mall in Rochester, New York, peddling his wares at a toy and collectible show. Oh, boy. So if you're in the greater Rochester area, be sure to go check it out. Joey's a good friend and a longtime listener to these shows on this network. 
Uh, but also this weekend, Todd, the biggie is Steel City Comic Con in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tony Danza's going to be there. Oh, Tony. Mm-hmm. Mark Paul Gossler and Dustin Diamond are going to be there. Oh, my goodness. I hope he does a diamond cutter on somebody. Wrong diamond. Okay. But I bring this up only because I was reading over the list of cancellations. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they'll have the cancellations and they'll say why someone is canceled. <laughs> right. Keep in mind, Mark Paul Gossler and Dustin Diamond are going to be at this comic book convention. Right. On the cancellation lists was Mario Lopez and Elizabeth Berkeley. <sighs> Why are they canceled? Because they're filming the Save by the Bell reunion special. Wait a minute. <laughs> Look, Voorhees, where are ye? Maybe they're doing it like that fourth season of Arrested Development. Everybody's shooting at different times. Right. Whatever their schedule can handle. Uh, what, a, what a slap in the face that is that, that all of them, except for Lark Voorhees, were scheduled for this convention and two of them canceled for the Saved by the Bell uh, reunion special. And the other two are like, no, we really need this paycheck, guys. Come on. Oh, my God. <laughs> Money order and a ham. Oh. So the links to these conventions will be uh, in the show notes uh, that accompany this post when it goes up over at soon to be named network.com, soon to be named network.tumblr.com, whether it be this show or Longbox Heroes After Dark, Puzzle Warriors 3, which took off for Thanksgiving, Pa Flimshaw, I say, <laughs> Profane Arguments, uh, At Odds with Wrestling, uh, Wednesday Night War, which was early because of the holiday, which is how you're supposed to do it. Final Wrestling Place, and uh, Marcus from Final Wrestling Place showed up on another podcast called Wrestling Time Machine. Six of one, half a dozen the other. They were talking about 1995 World Wrestling Entertainment, but all of their imagery and music for the show is Doctor Who related. So I don't know what to think. I think they're trying to they're trying to ladle our warmth with our Doctor Who stuff. So anytime any of these shows go live or anytime any of the folks from these shows go on other shows and they remind me or I hear them plug it on their other shows, you can find it over at soon-to-be-named-network.com, soon-to-be-named-network.tumblr.com. Also in the show notes, Todd, is the sales. So there's a ton of sales going on leading up to Black Friday. We made it through Black Friday. We're into Cyber Monday, and we've still got sales going on. IDW. Boom, Dynamite, uh, Image, and DC are all having giant sales. They call them graphic novel sales, modern classic sales, whatever they call them. Bunch of stuff is on sale. Stuff could be ending as early as Thursday. Some stuff could be rolling over into next week. Be sure to check availability while it lasts. DC is having a sale on Secret Invasion-related stuff. Now, I will say Secret Invasion itself, nah, I don't know about that, but maybe check out the Secret Invasion Initiative, the Avengers Initiative books that tie into Secret Invasion. Those were uh, co-written by Dan Slott and Christos Gage. Those are really good. Uh, Captain Britain and MI-13 is included in the sale. That's really good. Um, what else was really good in that? Uh, that's about it. Um, 
And then just randomly there's like, oh, here's an issue of Avengers from the late 60s that has scrolls in it. We'll throw that in there. Here's Avengers Annual 14 randomly part of the sale. Sure, why not? So, you know, always double check these sales when they go live. You never know what you'll find. There's always interesting things. And then IDW is having a sale on all of their Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles related stuff. But you could wait on that one because that sale is good until the middle of January. So you've got a lot of time on that one. That is a lot of time. Plenty of time. So, like I said, all that will be in the show notes. Todd, let's get into what we read from this past week. All right. Let's start with – I'll start with – John Constantine Hellblazer, number one, which I don't believe you read, right? I did not read. That's fine. Um, Written by Simon Spurrier, art by Aaron Campbell. This is following off the one-shot, the Sandman universe, where um, wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, younger John Constantine is in our time now, in post-whatever New 52 rebirth stuff. Like They just glance glance over that, and he still has all his old memories. and he ends up, you know, wandering around London to see what's changed. Obviously, 19, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, punk John Constantine, John Constantine's sensibilities go over as well as you would think. Um, he ends up meeting someone uh, who I think is going to be a regular in the book and discuss how he does. He doesn't fit in amongst like hipsters and vapors and all that stuff. And, you know, I can always go with that. And he ends up getting abducted by this uh this magician who has a gang of kids who are working for him because where they work uh in a park selling drugs and doing other stuff uh these these magical creatures are showing up and killing anybody doing evil so they abduct John to help them find uh what's going on so they can keep conducting business that's the the, the long and the short of it but I like the look of this book now because after the first issue, which was way too bright, they've darkened it up so it looks more like a vertigo. I mean, a black label book. Um, uh, But like the John thing, like the John quips and remarks um, and the dark tone to the book. um, It's just if you're a fan of the old Hellblazer run, I won't go into too much because, like I said, you didn't read it. Um, If you're a fan of the old Hellblazer book, this is this is for you. I. I feel like every once in a while you can go home again. And this one, this first issue was way better than the one shot as far, because they had to explain everything, how he got here, whatever. This is him hitting the ground running, doing a lot of John dirtbag things. He's like, if I got to save the world, I got to crack a few eggs to do it. And I, I like that. So I enjoyed this an awful lot and I'm sticking with Hellblazer. The only of the Sandman universe books that I, I still get dreaming out of loyalty, but, uh, uh, the only one of the uh, the Sandman universe books that I actually truly, truly love. Well, it's only been two issues, technically. You know, the one and uh, uh, the special, of course. So, right. you say this good, you say this feels like going home. Uh, I have to ask, are there swears in this book, Todd? Yes. Yes, there are. Okay. I, I don't remember if there were... I don't know. There was uh, now that I think about it, swears maybe because they're British swears, so I don't know how much they count, Joe. Oh, my you know what goodness. I mean, like like certain words. But uh, I'm trying to remember. Uh, was somebody asked John if he was holy? He said, "Just the five in my head and the two below the equator." Ah, oh, there you go. That's a fun and, way to say that. And that's the kind of stuff that I that I like is like John saying it, like lighting up a smoke. He smokes in this, Joe. Uh oh. 
Oh, so you got to be careful. Can't show it to the kids. That's what gets the mature label. Now, this is not only a black label book, but it's also part of the Sandman universe stuff. Yes. So I guess where does this fit in with uh, the, like outside of the one special that they had? Where does this fit in with the rest of the Sandman universe stuff? Nowhere that I know. Nowhere. Not that it doesn't fit in. They make no. This, they they make no like reference to anything else. Like this is a very self-contained story. Do I believe it's in the Sandman universe? Yes. Do I believe Daniel or anybody from the Dreaming could cross over? But I think it's you know a good start to start out not bogging yourself down and all that other stuff. Gotcha. It's very free and like just John right now, and I think that's the best way to do a Hellblazer book. And does this feel like it was a self-contained one and done, or is this like a one of six sort of gimmick? I don't know one of, it could be a one of six, but definitely he does not have the answer to his, like he basically sacrifices somebody who's not good to get answers of how like, how they, these creatures, these magical creatures work. He's like, he's like, I'm not going to run and save them, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to help them because now I know how they work. And that's kind of like, he's like, I got all the information I need. I'm going to hit the ground and pound the pavement and get what I need to stop this. So it's definitely not over in the first issue. Gotcha. I was just curious, uh, being that you're saying that you can go home again. I'm glad that they were right. Right. My take on it is, I just don't know. It just feels so much like a Hellblazer book that it really makes me happy. I know it's only one issue and the special, but do you know what I mean? Like when it, when something hits that feeling that you had when you read that book, yes, it's the, the book might not be that good, but the nostalgia pushes it over the top. And that's why I like it. That's why I'm, I'm raving about this book just because I was such a big Hellblazer fan. If you're not a Hellblazer fan, I'm not going to say that this is going to do for you what it did for me. But if you are, I feel it could. Mm -hmm. And now I'll stop babbling. So my book from this past week was criminal number 10, uh, written by Ed Brubaker with art by Sean Phillips. Uh, Every time this comes out, we talk about it because I love me some criminal. It's really good. Uh, We're getting more of the old characters popping back up. Dan Faraday is hot on the trail of Jane who is with Teague and apparent and all those plot lines are coming together, like with Teague's son and whatever the heist is. They've been planning a heist. Things have been living. Uh, we know Teague is going to die. That we knew that at the first issue of this beginning of run, we knew Teague was going to die at some point. The spoilers: it was not this issue. But the fact that there's an unknown heist that's going to go on, and apparently next issue we're going to find out what the heist entails. Mm -hmm. Uh, But more and more pieces and more and more players are showing up that are absolutely going to be Teague's downfall, and I could certainly see many, many more folks also taking a hit in this uh, when this story is said and done. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was, you know, kind of hearkening back to, you know, a lot of the more old Brubakery stuff where, you know, you've got the femme fatale. And right now she's kind of laying low, but, you know, she's got this pull over all the men, whether it be people she's in a direct relationship, uh, Teague's son, uh, like I said, Faraday, who's on, on her case, every other person who involves, like, she just has a pull, whether it's intentional or not, you know, that trope that happens in all of these crime noir books but there's just something about the way that brubaker does it man it works it it works 
as well, a as a you know what could be a tired trope amongst another less talented creator's hands. Um, I, I'm yeah. just going to say this about tropes. Yes. Tropes are tropes because when they work really well, they're great, and everybody wants to do them. So, like, Brew, like you said, Brubaker can really, really do them. And I want, and I don't say this often, I want to own a page from this, is the page where Teague is explaining to Ricky, like, hey, you know, pretty much once this is over, like, we have to go away, and you're not coming with us. And there's a shot of Jane standing behind Teague smoking a cigarette. And, like, it, I got goosebumps. It's like, Sean Phillips makes Jane just standing there looking over his shoulder, like, sultry. In a in a normal way, do you know what I mean like normal? So she's not in like a like a a gown, and she's just in a black t shirt. And she, the way she's posed and looking over like this brute smoking a cigarette, I'm like, that's gorgeous. And that's why every man who's ever around her gets tripped up because she's standing around looking like that. And then later, like Ricky talks, he's like, well, you know, why why are you doing this to me? And she's like, he's like, why are you mean? He's like, I'm not, kid. I like you. You're just not part of the plan. And that's like, like she's as cold as ice too. She could be alluring, sexy, charismatic. And that's the femme fatale. Like, and you said trope, but Brubaker crushes that trope in a good way. Yep. So yeah, I, I love criminal man. So the last book uh, that we're going to talk about is Venom number 20. Written by Donny Cates with art by Iban Coelho. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of wrapping up the discussion from Absolute Carnage. And before you lead the discussion on that, I have a fun story to tell you. Mm -hmm. So issue 19 came out the week of Halloween. Right around uh, Halloween Comic Fest, you know, fake free comic book day, whatever you will. Right. And at Super Secret Science Job, I, I invented free comic book day because I've been giving away free <laughs> – or I, I invented fake free comic book day because I've been giving out comic books uh, for Halloween to the trick-or-treaters that come through the secret, Super Secret Science Job for years and years and years and years and years. So I'm at work, and I have my thing out of all the free comic books, right? Mm -hmm. And then separately is all of my stuff that I need for my Super Secret Science Job, including my man purse and, you know – when time permits, I have my comic books out and I read my comic books and I got up to get my lunch. And apparently in between the time that I got up to get my lunch and came back to my seat, a group of trick or treaters had come true through. And instead of taking from the clearly designated pile <laughs> of free comic book day books, some hooligan pilfered my copy of Venom number 19. Mm -hmm. So when I was going through, uh, you know, I, I'm very behind on my books, but the stuff that I'm reading, I'm putting into orders and boxes and stuff like that. And I'm like, where did Venom 19 go? I thought I misplaced it. And then it was like later that day, I realized and I hadn't read it. I'd like opened it up. I read like the first two pages. I'm like, oh, lunch is here. Let me go get my lunch. And mm -hmm. I came back and the, the issue was gone. So I went to the shop this past week. I had to uh, pick up another copy of 19. Luckily, it was still in print. And then Todd says, hey, let's talk about Venom number 20. And I'm like, oh, I have to read 19 as well. So 20 makes sense. So go ahead with uh, Venom number 20. It's pretty much, the, like you said, the wrap up to Absolute Carnage. Uh, Venom or Eddie Brock is realizing, like, you know, everybody's congratulating me. I'm the hero. 
but I've pretty much doomed Earth because Null is on his way back and nobody knows it. And then he has, you know, the ramifications with his son finding out that he's his son and they discuss it a little bit. All of that, you know, don't care because I was not a big fan of Absolute Carnage. But as this is going on, his, his name is The Maker, isn't it? Like, that's because he's the Reed Richards from the Ultimate Universe who was Correct. helping out. He's 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 gone. He's left because, you know, his plans, he had plans. He was helping defeat the, the symbiotes, but he had, you know, ulterior, an ulterior motive for doing it. And that's kind of what we find out in here. And he ends up having help from this group that I that from the past that I recognize. Well, anybody who, you know, read certain books would, would recognize. And he's working on stuff with symbiote things. And his whole plan is to recreate something that he misses. And I'm like, all this plan, all this plan, which was laying under absolute carnage, which I could have done completely without, because I'm just reading everything Donnie Cates does. Cause I think it's going to pull together. I liked his other stuff. Uh, this feels like they are laying the groundwork for the next absolute carnage. I don't mean, carnage coming back but the next big venom thing and they already teased that it's coming or whatever because this sold so well but i'm completely enamored with what the maker is doing and what his plot is and i want to read that story now and give me that crossover over absolute carnage i loved all that stuff that was going on here yes so we talked last week like you know i was kind of hyped up for the summer event of absolute carnage you know and it kind of Ended with a little bit of a fizzle. This brought it back up. And I hope whatever the next plan is, the next event, the next whatever, they decide not to go as big, as sweeping, as whatever, all world encompassing, and just stick with all the stuff that Donny Cates is kind of dipping his toes in. Um. If that makes any sense, because I don't think bigger is better when it comes to something like this. I I know because we always discuss, you know, that that uh, Sinestro Core War, you know, like that's the way to do it. Like less like I don't need I don't need absolute carnage five issues. I don't need all the tie ins. I don't need like an immortal Hulk one shot. I just want whatever this I would like this to stay in Venom and a couple of maybe specials and I would be fine with that. More people and i'll say it need to rip off sinestro core war the the formatting of it the style of it the pacing of it all of that mm-hmm. and todd we're old because sinestro core war was 13 years ago i know i think about that not that specifically but books that we read Ugh. it's two, it's two years away from someone either doing a Either DC themselves doing a Sinestro Core War 2, <laughs> uh, even though they've already done it with, like, Blackest Night and Brightest Day or whatever it is, but, like, blatantly coming right out and just saying, like, yep, it's Sinestro Core War 2, here we go, mm-hmm. um, for people, like, for it essentially to be in the public consciousness, or no longer to be in the public consciousness, for you to just kind of completely lift the framework, the fishbone of that storyline and the way that it was told and the way that it was presented... And the way it was sold, and then just paste your characters onto that format. I would agree with you that 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 should be the way it's done. But they never we're even to, 
we will never see a Sinestro Corps War Two because that that was small and done right and didn't have the sales. Will we get a Blackest Night Two? I I have no doubt about that. And that's because it was big and broad and sold a lot of stuff. Like we will get an absolute carnage too, and it will be bigger, Joe. You know what I mean? Like, cause it's sold. We're going to get this thing out of venom that they're setting up as the next thing, but because absolute carnage was big, like secret wars, like the, the name crisis. Um, those are the big ones, but Sinestro core war we liked because of what it was, but that's not big enough for the, for the companies. So they don't remember it. I remember Todd. That's right. Pepperidge Farm remembers too. Yeah, I remember everything. You do. And Except- I like the I like the stuff with um, Eddie and his son. Uh, yep. Officially, now they know each other are related, not as brothers, but as father and son. Uh, he wants to know about his mother, and then the kid has a secret that he's not telling Eddie. And then there's a cute little Venom dog that they have with them too. Right. Isn't it a cat now? A cat. A Venom cat. Yes, my That's apologies. Because right. he was a wolf initially, but he changed to a cat. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, you know, maybe if uh, the scope and the nonsense and the hey, hey, we're really pushing in your face sort of thing of Absolute Carnage uh, pushed you off, I think uh, Venom 20 is a nice jumping on point. Yeah. Kind of let you know what's coming, you know, kind of points out how inconsequential the previous five months have been, and uh, get you on the ground running yeah. to the next thing. Yep. So that's what we uh, read from this past week. Let's get into what we're looking forward to coming out this week. If you head over to longboxheroes.com every Tuesday around 5.30 Eastern Time or so, we put up the poll post, which is a link to a link to all the books that are coming out this week. Whether you get your books in print, whether you get them digitally, whether you get them sent to your home, however it is that you got your books, be forewarned, be forearmed, know what's coming out this week. Uh, me getting to the shop early and then you showing up late last week, I forgot to give my new monthly pull list to the fancy store owner, so I still oh. have it sitting in my hand purse haunting me. Oh, next year, stolen co- replace stolen copies of books. Uh-huh. Oh, boy. So Todd and I attempt to guess what the other is most looking forward to coming out this week. I am way, way, way behind Todd with only four weeks left in the year, uh, but I'm not giving up. Never submit, never surrender. Uh, Todd has, what, nine correct guesses over me? I don't even remember what the stakes of this were, if there were any stakes. I think it was it was another dinner, I think. Yeah, something like that. Right. Uh, Looking at your list, though, let me see what you're most looking forward to coming out. Uh, I didn't fix the hyphen for Spider-Man. I'm going to fix that now. I always Uh, send it without the hyphen. I always send it. Yeah, yeah. What is New Year's Evil? That is like a collection of stories that I'm not sure if our Christmas and 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 uh, blah 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 um, Thanksgiving like they do the specials, but it's definitely a uh, New Year's kind of themed book with uh, like various t- uh, creators. Like they do, I can't think of what I'm called, like a co- a compilation of different short stories, but all brand new. Yep. How is the Annihilation stuff, speaking of um, revisiting somewhat popular previous story arcs? Uh, I enjoyed the uh, first issue um, because it's a a small spoiler alert. It's a war on – somebody waged war on Annihilus, and now Annihilus is looking for help. So it's Annihilation, but 
Annihilus is Annihilation. So it's a nice little twist, if you know. Mm. So Gotcha. So I'm going to go with the simple and the easy and say that the book you're most looking forward to coming out this week is Doctor Doom number three. It is not, actually. Oh, my goodness. I love Doctor Doom. It's It slipped a little with the second issue. But what I'm looking forward to is the book I love the most until it got sued. It was a new new book. Is I like, I'm looking forward to Dead Eyes because it was a Dead Rabbit beforehand. And I love those first two issues. And then I felt it was hamstrung by the lawsuit. And I'm really glad that they got it up and running again, even though it's under you know a different name. I'm looking forward to like a brand new story in that world. Um, is the book you're also looking forward to most, uh, Dead Eyes number three? No. It is what? <laughs> Inferior five number four. Oh, okay. Uh, just because of all the books that are coming out this week, it's the one that I'm most caught up on. Oh my God, that's a good reason. Uh-huh. Because all those other books, the last couple issues were, uh, pilfered by kids' little steely <laughs> fingers. <laughs> I am woefully behind on my books. Even um, and I think this Batman is the second last to the King King's Run. Yeah, I, I got to get caught up on that. Right, my thing on that is it's always confusing. I never know when certain King books, like the Key books, are coming up. But I think we have one more, and then the Tinian Run. Gotcha. Yeah, I'll do something with that. I don't know. Right, you do what you got to do. Yep. So, hey, while you're over at longboxheroes.com, be sure to check out all the other stuff that Todd and I have done, whether it be past episodes of this show, past episodes of Longbox Heroes After Dark, uh, the 2017 smash sensation Todd and Joe have issues. You can also help us out by purchasing stuff through our store, where you can purchase shirts or stickers or pins directly from us. We pack them up with our sweet little hands, put them in a... (laughs) a priority mail envelope turned inside out so we could all save on shipping and we send it right to you. If you want even more designs, uh, different colors or looks of that Longbox Heroes logo, soon to be named Network logo, or shirts inspired by stuff that we've said on the show, you can head over to Tee Public, our store there. I think the sale is still going on from last week and check out some of the des- designs there. You could also subscribe to our Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. You get some bonus stuff. Helps us out. $5 a month is going to get you early access to After Dark. Uh, Usually comes out on Friday. You'll usually get it Tuesday night, sometimes after we record this, sometimes before we record this, so that you can listen to the shows in the correct listening order, or at least in the correct recording (laughs) order, if you will. Right. Uh, But the most popular way, of course, to assist the show doesn't cost you anything extra, and that's making all of your purchases through our Amazon banner across the top of the page over at longboxheroes.com. It was, it is the throngs of the holiday shopping season. And I want to thank you listeners for really coming through, making a lot of purchases this past week. There's been a lot for me to sit here and read them all would be ridiculous. But some of the more notable purchases through the click through this past week were Someone purchased a Nintendo Switch Pro controller, and those are really fancy to have. They don't quite work with every game, like your Mario parties and stuff like that. They really want you to Joy-Con it up. (laughs) Uh, Somebody purchased the Lego Super Heroes Marvel Spider Mech vs. Venom set. Uh, Somebody also purchased the Marvel Legends Forge action figure, as well as the Marvel Legends Endgame Power Gauntlet Electronic Art. Articulated fist. 
Ooh, articulated fist. That's right. Uh, somebody's having a party uh, because they purchased a 50-pack of Tiki Time Luau Party napkins and plates, as well as a 50-count uh, package of Tropical Luau Flower Lei Theme Party Favor Hawaiian Lays Necklace Hawaiian Silk Wreaths. <laughs> when, it's re- when it's triply redundant like that, I'd like to read the entire title there. Definitely a lot of people getting uh, lays on their around their neck this this season. I guess Careful I don't know. Now. Good for them. I'm saying, hey, have a have a. I hope they have poo, a poo poo platter too. Somebody also purchased some games, some board game going on. Uh, somebody purchased Hangman puzzles for clever kids. Mm, I somebody wonder if also it was Ethan oh, Page. No, or uh, Hangman Page, not the oh. other page. Not uh, Dallas Page, but there's another one. Or the female wrestler, right? Right. Yeah, she's not a wrestler no more. She just kind of hangs around. Okay. Uh, somebody also purchased the Disney Villainous Strategy Board Game. I'm not really sure what that is, but let me know. Uh, somebody also purchased the Ravenous Raccoon Card Game entitled Trash Pandas. <laughs> and Todd, I ask you, when did we as a culture all decide that raccoons are now trash pandas there was a there was a mass email you didn't get mm-hmm. it probably went to your spam folder like mm-hmm. most of the uh, the the pool list uh emails yep 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 i think that's uh exactly what happened mm-hmm. uh but also todd uh before we uh actually do we have an art attack before we dip into the mailbag we do not have an art attack this week Oh, luckily we don't. You're all out of stuff from uh, all your travelings and so forth. Yep. I mean, I still have some stuff that I might not have posted. I have to look through the my images, but everything of this year, there's nothing left. Gotcha. So last but not least is the return of the mailbag, Todd. So let's turn yep. that over to you. Yes, recently I uh, put up a tweet where I said, uh, recent purchase, Lobo's first appearance, uh, which is Omega Man number three. Um, I always wanted a copy, but for some reason never got around to getting it. It's not a perfect copy, but it scratches the itch. And then listener uh, Jesse DeYoung um, uh, on Twitter, the at the completest, wrote, which is a good you know uh, Twitter handle for this. This is a great topic. I'm trying to put together the rest of a run I've been working on for years. Now, the issues are getting expensive, so do I lower quality grades for budget's sake and to complete the run, or do I save up and take longer to get higher grades? Well, then I was like, okay, if we're going to answer this, I need to ask another question. I said, what's the run? Uh, And he basically got back to me and says, my goal is to get the original X-Men series from Giant Size X-Men 1 on up. I could save a lot of money just getting low-grade copies of the books, but I feel like I would be wasting money on anything lower than a very fine copy. I'm working on high double digits and Phoenix era issues. And I was like, that's interesting because if X-Men is, you know, a, a big league book, I was thinking like, oh, maybe if it was Green Lantern or something because there's no TV show planned or there's no uh, movie that we know of coming out anytime soon, that'd be like, all right, if you want to get those extra uh, expensive, nicer copies, that's good. But when X-Men, man, those moves, those books move like those are always high in demand books and they're expensive. And now they had the X-Men books or movies at Fox, which bumped a lot of that, that stuff up because people loved it. Now that the, the uh, Disney has it, I would say personally, 
maybe if there's a key book you always wanted, get a higher grade of that one and keep and get lower grades of the stuff that you'd be okay with. Because I think you want to burn through X-Men before those books start moving again. A la if they announce something with, you know, these un these unmentioned X-Men movies down the line from Disney. Or uh they have open slots for uh, Marvel movies at the Disney thing, like 2016, 17. They announced those. These books might jump again. That's up to you. You have to decide what you feel. But I feel with X-Men, at any time, X-Men books can take a jump. And I would go for lesser copies, unless it's a key book that you always wanted. Like, pick out a few, like one or two, maybe three, and go, I want higher grades of those because you're never going to get through your run. If you, you know, you, you, you waste, you, you do expensive. Every copy has got to be an expensive, nice copy. Right. So, so let's talk. Th- okay. So I, I have so many thoughts on this, right? Right. Cause there was a time uh, where I was attempting to get the full run of amazing Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Okay. I started collecting comics seriously and keeping them around like the two eighties of amazing Spider-Man. Okay. Right. My in, now, just as a side note, my inspiration for this is our local retailer who does have the full run of Amazing Spider-Man. Yep. So he was my inspiration. He was my nearly 20-year inspiration for this, right? Mm-hmm. So full run of Amazing Spider-Man, um, there was a time, and this was, you know, we're talking 20 years ago. So... I filled in some books because, of course, as a kid, you miss some issues, right? Or some issues get lost or some issues get banged up or whatever it is, okay? Mm-hmm. So what I did was from what I already had, I looked through to see what I was missing or looked through what I had to see that was junked or not like an up to co- – like if I got like 10 issues in a row and one is just like beat to you know what, that one needs to be replaced, mm-hmm. okay? So I make sure I have X. I have this block. And listen, from 280, 280s, 285 to 290 to current, there's a lot of key issues in there. You got your first Venoms. You got your first Carnages. You got a lot of other stuff in there, okay? So then what I started to do was I'm not going to go crazy. We're not going – I'm not getting Amazing com- – I'm not getting Amazing Spider-Man number one. I'm not getting any, like, the first, like, 20, okay? Right, or an Amazing Fantasy 15 is first appearance. Okay. Let's work backwards Let's get to 250, okay? I could fill 250. Now let's do 200 to 249. Okay, there's a couple heavy hitters in there. What can I get now for cheap? Mm-hmm. And I went from there. Now, obviously, X-Men is a different beast, and unfortunately, I had to give up this. I, I do have from 200 to current missing, like, whatever the more expensive key books are in there. Mm-hmm. But some of the ways that I went about getting these books to fill in what I was missing uh, was... You know, one, you, now eBay today is different than what it was 20, 10, five years ago. Uh, there are certain books that you could set alerts for yourself to get notifications if a new notice comes up, right? And you could be that eBay sniper and sit and wait on something. Mm-hmm. You can go to conventions and look for stuff. If you're looking for the key books, if you're looking for people who have giant runs of stuff, like maybe you're looking for something in the 200s on X-Men and you go to a convention and there's some guy who has like a big chunk of the books that you're you're needed make him an offer right there in front of him say hey I know that you're you're asking X 
let's ask X minus 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. I could, and the other thing is, you ask on a Sunday. If it's a three-day convention, you ask on a Sunday. If it's a one-day yep. convention, you ask a half an hour before doors close. Uh, I I agree. I, okay. I I totally agree. But I'll tell you, a lot of times too, some of those guys won't move on. You know. Okay. They just I'm just saying, like I'm. It never hurts to ask. It never hurts He's, to ask. If if that's a guy who comes to this convention all the time, maybe make a mental note of that guy. Oh, that he I wouldn't give you those books last time, and then when he comes back six months from now, a year from now, and he's still got those same books that haven't moved, mm-hmm. ask him fifteen dollars less now. I agree. I have a I have the same thing. I did the same thing that you did. Mm-hmm. Um, I got more, but go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I won't step on you. Finish your okay, story. So let me, okay, so let me finish. So another thing that you could do is buy lots of books. Like, let's say you see someone selling a lot of 20 or 30 or 40 X-Men books. And maybe out of the 20, let's say, we'll say 20 is a nice round number. There's like 12 that you need, okay? Mm-hmm. And the other eight you already have, the other eight you don't want, the other eight you don't want, whatever. That's okay. That's how I built my Sandman collection. That's how I built my Hellblazer collection. That's how I built my Sandman Mystery Theater collection. Obviously not as high profile as X-Men, but you get a heavy hitter in there just because more so those Sandman issues, uh, they you get a couple heavy hitters in there. The Sandman Mystery Theater, it's a lower print run. Hellblazer goes through peaks and valleys with different creative teams coming on. Certain books go for more, and sometimes they slide in to a lot of 20 or 30 books and they get overlooked and you end up getting that hot issue that was in a lot of 20 or 30 books that somebody else may have overlooked, including the person. Now, what are you going to do with all these extra books? That's where my comic shop.com comes in. You make yourself a list of what you have and you make yourself a list of what you want and you sell that stuff back to my comic shop. Now, granted, everything's not going to go, but stuff can go and you sell that back to them for store credit for the stuff that you don't want to pay pocket out of. Is this a lot of work? Yes. Do you want that X-Men collection? Yeah, you got to put in the work sometimes. That's right, because a comic collection doesn't just happen. You know what I mean? Unless you're buying new stuff, that's how a a comic collection starts. If you want old stuff and it's expensive, it just doesn't work. Years ago, I was doing... Are you done? I just don't want to step. No, I'm done. That's it. That's the end of the way that I would, that I have and would build my collections. No, I I mean, I started off explaining what I want to do. I'm going to tell you how I did it when it came to flash, the flash run that I wanted. And you know, like that I, when I was collecting flash, I was like, all right, I want showcase four to whatever it was at the time. And I was like, I want one or two, I want one or two golden age books just to get that taste. You know what I mean? So when I did it, I was like, all right, I'm going to go back and I'm going to buy. And I like eBay, like you said, was a different animal. I would buy stuff in blocks because it'd be like, all right, I need everything from uh, here to here. Like, I mean, hundreds, like a hundred issues. So I just went deck with it. I'm just going to buy it, save on shipping that way. And, and I'll have whatever I need. And then I'll take out the, the uh, the extras and put them off on the side. Um, obviously there was no my comic shop to get rid of them at the time. But what I did was I was like, all right, key books. I'm like, all right, uh, those big books. And this is what I did. I was like, all right, Flash 123, the first Flash of Two Worlds. That one I, I want a nice copy. 
I want a nice copy of that. So I went and I got a, you know, maybe it's a, a, a five or, or, or six. I want that. Uh, the fir- Flash 139, the first reverse Flash, to me, his great, like his biggest enemy ever. I want a nice copy of that. And then other stuff, I'd be like, all right, I'll, I'll give some ground on, you know, Flash 10, I'm trying to think, 106 or 107, the first grod. I'm like, I got, you know, I can't get them all perfect. So I, I, I take them out and I ended up, you know, buying like uh, of the Showcase 4 was the dreaded purple strip of the restored. I was like, I'll take it. Um, you know, the showcase eight, which is the first Captain Cold. I was like, all right, I got to go lower cop copy, uh, a 3.0, uh, stuff like that. And that's the way I did it. But then in that, I took a lot of garbage for just regular everyday copies that I knew I could upgrade. Like it's a random, no reason for it. I'm like, oh, this is like, you know, this is under a, this is, this is just a good, I'm like, I have it, but this book is never going to go through the roof. I can replace it and go down the line. And I ended up getting a few golden age books, really low, low grade. So I have them, but that's the way, that's the way you got to do it. You got to decide on what you want. And I, I set myself up with a, with a, a time limit. I had to have the whole flash run by the time I was 30 and I ended up doing it. I, I banged right. it out. Yes. I was like by my 30th birthday, I had every issue that I want. And my one friend bought a copy that I needed and he kept it on his TV knowing it was the last copy I needed. And he get, gave it to me for my 30th birthday. Aww. And that was actually kind of cool. But that's that, that you got to have a plan. Now, you could do it a different way. But that's, that's, that's the way I did it. And it worked for me. But that was back when, you know, it was pretty much eBay or comic uh, conventions. And they were both were different animals at the time. You know, like we said. Because the for me, retailers didn't want to sell you cheap because they didn't believe in eBay. They're like, eBay's a young up-and-coming thing. I don't believe in it. This is the only place to get it, and I'm not moving. I'm like, all right, I'll go buy my issues from eBay. And one of those early showcases that I need, because he appears in four showcases, 4, 8, 13, 14. I needed a 13 or 14. I forget which one it was. And I was at a comic convention, and I was like, excuse me, sir, can I see that uh, that showcase 13? And he looked at me and he's like, you're not going to buy that. And I was like, okay. I swear, Joe. I went around the corner. I'm like, I, I know what I was going to spend on that book. I'll spend a little more. I went to another guy. Yeah. I bought it. And I walked over and I put it down on his books. And I went, there you go. You just lost the sale. I said, that that book was probably like like less money than this one. But I... I mean, you know, some of the things I might have said. I'm like, hey, and he that that guy was on a list because he was at the same shows every year, and I always walked right by him. I'm like, yeah, because I'm wearing you know a, a frumpy black t-shirt and blue jeans. I don't have any money in my pocket. I have more money than you think in my pocket, buddy. I was hot over that, Joe. Nobody is crueler to the nerd community than the nerd community itself. Exactly. I hate uh, nerd community on nerd community crime. Yes. So yeah, that's, uh, I'm glad. Listen, nothing makes me better, uh, feel better than spite. <sighs> and the fact that you went somewhere else, bought it and then went and rubbed it in the guy's face fills me with all sorts of hope and pride for the world. Let me just tell you, I am spite fueled. It is the but, greatest motivator in my life. Right. So I, I've mentioned it before. Uh, the great comedian Dana Gould said uh, holding a grudge against someone is like drinking poison and hoping, hoping they die. Spite 
is like drinking gasoline and it being fuel for your hatred. <laughs> That's good. All right. So let's get into TV talk. There's nothing else, right? Nope, I think that's everything. I hope that uh, walk down how Todd and I have bought our comics in the past lane has uh, helped at least one person. Thanks for the uh, inspirational topic. I think we may have another mailbag topic for next week as well. I have to make myself a note. Okay, good. It was suggested for this week. I'm like, I already got two. We already got one mailbag question. We can't do two because these will eat up a ton of time. That's right. Probably won't be any news next week because the trip to Fancoma will carry over. All right. So uh, thank you for listening. We bid you adieu. If you don't want to hear us talk about last week's episode of The Flash and some other stuff on the other CW shows and uh, The Mandalorian. So uh, we bid you adieu. Thanks for listening. We'll take like a pause here for me to stop hiccuping. Every time you say bid uh, do, I want to bid two do's. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so let's talk about the Mandalorian first. Okay. Okay. Uh, so uh, the Mandalorian, uh, that's his name. And Baby Yoda, also his name. I don't care. <laughs> what Even though, did you see they finally have Baby Yoda merchandise out? Yes, it was actually mentioned at the shop today that... Uh, on the box, because like our retailer was like, "Oh, should I order this?" And they said, "Oh, wait a minute! They have the name on the box as the child or something yes, like that." The child. Like they can't name it, Baby Yoda. Right. Uh, so the Mandalorian uh, has the Baby Yoda in tow. Uh, they decide to go to another planet to kind of hopefully sort of lay low. And the Mandalorian notices like another person there, a uh, soldier, bounty hunter, whatever it is. And it's like, oh, man, there's another one of us here. I need to try to get rid of them because, you know, the more of us around, the more bad things can happen. And it just so happens bad things are already happening because the kindly, peaceful villagers of this area are already under attack by marauding whatevers who have an A-T-S-T, A-T-S-T. And you have to say it like that and do a little dance whenever you're talking about an A-T-S-T, A-T-S-T. It's a joke for, like, one person, but that's okay. They're going to get it and love it. Um, so uh, the Mandalorian and uh, the woman, who I think is going to pop up a little bit more often. I don't think this is her one-off, but I could be wrong there. Uh, decide to train the villagers to defend themselves. And at this point, I say the Mandalorian is the greatest show because not only is it in the Star Wars universe, it is liberally stealing from Three Amigos. Yes. I wanted there to be a scene where... Uh, the Mandalorian was having them craft Mandalorian armor, and the, and he was like, "So, so with all of your might, so like the wind, so like the wind." <laughs> I kid, but I really like this episode. I thought it was fun. Uh, the special effects on the small screen—they got a lot for a little. Uh, didn't look too janky. Uh, I like the teases that we saw regarding the uh, A-T-S-T, A-T-S-T, and that'll be the last time I do it, uh, not stepping into the giant puddle, like it was, <laughs> like, I don't know, I found it funny, the, the driver was making the body language of the A-T-S-T, like, apprehensive, I don't like, know. Like, oh, oh I don't want to step in it. <laughs> I don't know, I, I thought, it just give me a, it tickled me. Um, but I liked this episode, and I think I might have mentioned this on Twitter as well. Uh, when Thanksgiving break was over, 
and the moratorium on the people who were in this uh, show was lifted, and that little girl who got to hug Baby Yoda went back to school on Monday, she was probably the most popular girl in the world. Yep. Because now not only could she tell everyone that she got to meet the real Baby Yoda and (laughs) hug it, there's pictures of her doing so. That's right. It'll be on a t-shirt. Yes. Um, uh, but yeah, I enjoyed the I enjoyed the episode too. You know, I know you said three amigos, and that's what I always think of. But in my you know, in the thing, it's the whole samurai western trope of uh, Mandalorian. Is it's the seven samurai? It's 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 you know two samurai. You know what I mean? So like I, I enjoyed it. I get it. I have no problem with it. Um, it was fun. Baby Yoda sipping its soup is now tearing up the internet, um, replacing tea sipping Kermit, which I'm not so sure about, but I think they can get together and sip things, you know, without being at war. But, uh, like I, I, I enjoyed it. And the, the weirdest thing I like the weirdest thing of the whole thing popped into my brain as I'm watching it is, uh, that it's like directed by Dallas Bryce Howard. Yeah. I was like, okay, like that didn't like, you know, ruin or make anything better for me, but it was just like seeing that name because it comes up first and I'm like, oh, that's really cool. The only down part I have about it is, is one thing that I would just wish they'd explain is how those trackers work. Like, you know, right. Like, the, and, the, the bounty trackers, right. The fobs as they're calling them, they have them. Do they track you all the way like i understand because he said you know they ended up uh destroying the uh atst i'm not doing it seven times um and he said that will bring notice like and people will come looking i can gather that that'll bring the people looking and then do they have the fob and it works there or does it does the fob literally work like through star systems you know what i mean like i i don't know is it something they've tagged the child with or is it something like in his d i'm like you like those fobs are all like you know all magical right now. You need to explain how they work so I can get the rules if that makes any sense. That's the only thing that I don't like about this whole series so far. Everything else I've I've been really enjoying. I'm gonna give them the benefit of the doubt that that time where the Mandalorian was away from Baby Yoda and then he came back to Baby Yoda and he, Baby Yoda was on the table mm-hmm. and they were doing something to him. No, because they gave him the fob to find Yoda, baby no, Yoda. No, no, no. But I think that there's something either in or on baby Yoda that is making them be able to track him. But that doesn't make even better because when they give the, the, the bounty to the Mandalorian to five baby Yoda, they give him a tracker. Right. So, okay. So here's what I'm saying about the tracker. So, that tracker, one would assume, the way that the trackers work is, once the bounty is collected, that tracker no longer works. But then, wasn't there a thing in the previous episode where uh, Carl Weathers said that they gave that tracker to tons of people? Right. So, maybe whatever signature, frequency, or whatever it is the trackers work to that person's whatever was never turned off when Boba Fett, Boba Fett, the Mandalorian turned in the bounty. I get what you're saying, but I'm giving the show to the benefit of the doubt that there's some, maybe it's midichlorians, Todd, and they just haven't told us yet. I would be fine with that, mm-hmm. but I just want, and maybe it's not how it works, but I'm like, 
Does it work with when you're within a hundred miles, a thousand miles, 10 light years? Like that, like, I don't know. That's the explanation I more that I want is like, how far away are you bef- till, till you know that you're on the right track? Because then like right now, it, then what's the point in even hiding? If, if the trackers can find you anywhere. Like, well, that's, yeah, I, I get, I, I get what you're saying. It's, it's just, you know what? It's my Joe CD. There you that, go. That's like when you're like on the wigs and you're like, well, how did they do this? I want this explained. And until I get this explained, I'm not going to be happy. And anytime one of these tracking things show up. Yeah. So and I'm, uh, I, I'm okay with it. Okay. But yeah. this is my end. So that's all. You could have it. Okay. This is the hill I'll die on, Joe. <laughs> Lucky you. Mm-hmm. They're gonna have to chop me up to put me on all the hills I'm gonna die on. Oh, good. So let's get into the Flash. Uh, this is a first of a two-parter, as the A story is, as they just call him Ramsey. What's his uh, villain name? Bloodwork. Bloodwork. Yes. They 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 christened him in this episode, right. but I knew what it was because he was in the New Fifty Two run. Yeah. If you if you borrow from the new fifty two, it's like you created it yourself. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, so uh, I'm just gonna call him Ramsey, and the Speed Force itself are battling for control of Barry Allen, and that's the majority of your A story. And this is the first time all season that Ramsey has felt like a villain that means something because he's been doing stuff. All season, but we know the crisis stuff is upon us. So he's always had to take like a back seat to whatever was going on. Right. He gets a lot to do in this episode, and what he does in this episode feels important. And to more of important to me, it feels creepy. Like right. I have to give like whoever directed it and whoever wrote it, like like hallucination Ramsey is way creepier than real Ramsey. Like happy go lucky Ramsey in his nightmares, like showing up at the dinner and he brings the lasagna and the blood starts coming and they're eating it and they have that all over their mouth and they're just like slobbering it on the plate. And he's all like, Barry, would you like? And I'm like, oh my God, like that Ramsey is like just frightening. Yeah. And he actually reminded me a little bit of like David Tennant when he was doing that. Like, like he was ripping off like the purple man slash doctor who, uh, at the same time, there was just something about him. But like I said, and he would show up in another nightmare and you'd be like, just the way the nightmares were done. And that like, there'd be like a door there all of a sudden that wasn't, it was, it was, the episode was making me anxious watching it, which is something the flash usually doesn't do. So I give it props to that. And he, like you said, he actually felt like a villain for the first time because we're like, who cares about Ramsey? Get us to the Annie monitor. We all know he's coming. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you are such a small spoke in the wheel when it, it's like, okay, I'm a guy who could control people through blood. It's the villain who the biggest mass murder in the history of comics. He's literally just destroyed infinite universes with people in it. What's the body count on that Joe? I'm going to go with high. So yeah. it's kind of like hard to, to, to give that that villain the rub when you know that one's coming. 
Right, and then we get the B story, I guess, of, uh, you know, what Iris is trying to investigate with, what's her name, the the young girl? Was the UV powers, I can't think of her name right now. Yeah, yeah, Allegra, I think her name is. Some, I think that's a medicine, med, eh, I don't know, maybe it is. Right, where her sister has been kidnapped, so they're trying to figure that whole thing out. And I feel we got enough of that in the previous episode with Ralph. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and it was a good cliffhanger for this episode. The A story, A story was super strong this week, right? Super duper strong, right? Um, do you want to know a little bit about Arrow? What was going on in that? I do, and I guess some other shows as well, right? So basically, in Arrow, because they uh, betrayed, like the Monitor asked. Black Canary to betray Ollie and they, and they didn't. And then they went and they saw Diggle's wife and they confronted her as to why she's working with the monitor. They all get drugged. Uh, Black Canary and Arrow wake up in a Groundhog Day type thing where they, uh, you know, they, they have to save Detective Lance, who was already dead in this timeline. He's back like the monitor, like in this dream gave it to him and they just keep going over and over and over until they realize that there are some things, uh, there's a thing for a black canary that we don't need to talk about. But in the end, the monitor's trying to teach, uh, Ollie that some things he can't control and he has to just give in. Like he's not going to survive the crisis and it's all a test. And, uh, the betraying, asking black canary to betray Ollie was another test. And he says, you're all worthy. We're going to go, fight the crisis now everything i've been doing has been a test with you people and you're all passing and uh other things he's like and i've given you a little blessing you get to see your grown-up kids because you're never going to meet them um there you go so that's kind of what they're ready to go uh with the weapon that they're creating because the monitor wants it and everything but that's kind of that deal and then on supergirl it ended with the monitor saying the same thing to martian manhunter Saying like, hey, you went through these trials, uh, a villain showed up, but you reformed him. This was all me doing it So for the oncoming crisis. And then at some point he goes and he meets Lex Luthor and he says, I need you for the crisis too. And he's like, he's like, you finally, and there's a great line where he goes, you finally get the chance to be the hero. And there's a great, like, and it's funny to see uh, the guy from Two and a Half Men, I can't think of his name. He ends up straightening his tie. He's like, I've always been the hero. And I kind of got like goosebumps because John Cryer, you don't think John Cryer is going to be a great Lex Luthor, but I watched him in an episode or two of Supergirl and he's fantastic. So Martian Manhunter and Lex Luthor are going to be showing up for the crisis to help out. Mm-hmm. And I go no, ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Say, and the last one is I watched the end of Black Lightning this week to see if there was anything. There was nothing, but I saw the teaser for next week where they're talking about alternate universes and all this stuff. Cause I know black Lightning's going to show up in the crossover, but the black lightning episode that's coming up that deals with alternate universes is not part of, it doesn't have crisis part two written in it, but it's, I guess a prequel. Maybe I don't know. I'm going to watch it and see what happens. Right. Because I have the time, you don't, Joe. Well, apparently the way that this is going to work is, unless I'm mistaken, is it starts officially this Sunday. Yes. And that's going to be Supergirl, then Monday is Batwoman, and then Flash is Tuesday. uh, Tuesday. Then 
they take a month off. Yep. And then it comes back with uh, Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow both on the same day. Right, finishing it up. Also, there was, at the end of Batwoman and Supergirl, there was a thing with Nash Wells that I don't want to say because I think it's actually going to happen in the Flash episode this week. Like, because they, they've, ta- they've tacked it on the end of both shows, so there's no way they're going to tack it on the end of the Flash. So I'm like, I'll just let you watch it there. If they don't, I'll fill you in at the uh, on the next episode of we record. Right. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I think that's everything. So yeah, uh, we'll have the Flash episode that was on this week uh, mm-hmm. to talk about, as well as the uh, Supergirl and Batwoman episodes to talk about next week. Right. And then we'll, you know, talk about the Flash the week after that. And then a month from now, we'll talk about Arrow and Legends of Tomorrow. Most important thing in all of this, Legends of Tomorrow is back. Yes. Um, and, uh, you know, and then we'll have Mandalorian as they, as they you know, yep. we chomp through that. Are you going to go see Star Wars when Mandalorian isn't on on that Friday? Uh, not that Friday, but the plan hopefully will be that weekend to be able to see the star Wars. There you go. But that's still what another two weeks away. Yeah. And I'm actually wondering if there's a reveal in like Mandalorian somewhere that leads into it or something. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were hoping that, uh, with it specifically being moved like two days earlier. Right. They'll be like, ah, this sets up like something. This does like a star destroyer. They park it here and then it shows up in, you know, 20 years later. (laughs) Right. Cause I was thinking, I'm like, well, they could roll, you know, Mandalorian usually is on the streaming service, like pretty early on a Friday. Mm-hmm. But then I'm like, and then people go, I'm like, ah, oh, people watch it on a Friday and then go see uh, Star Wars on Friday. But I forgot that the midnight shows, quote unquote, start at six o'clock the, the, the day before. So, right. And they'll probably have 20 episodes. They'll probably have like a six, six o'clock and a six ten and a six twenty. Yep. And a, yep. They get crazy with these big movies, Joe. When did cinema become a business? When Edison invented the light bulb or stole the idea for the light bulb from someone else. That is true. All right. So I think that's everything this week, eh? Yes, it is. All right. So closing out episode 479, Longbox Heroes. This is Joe for Todd saying thank you for listening, and we will see you all here next week. Remember, be a faucet, not a drain. Boop! You're listening to the soon-to-be-named network, the Lamborghini of Podcast Networks.